Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Braden Gall, the owner of 440 Sports in Nashville. We discuss the budding rivalry between Tim Corbin's Vandy Boys and Tony Vitello's Tennessee Vols, the atmosphere at Hawkins Field over the weekend, the recruiting impact this rivalry could have on both teams, the newfound excitement for college baseball in the mid-state, how the Vandy Boys respond after the sweep, and the usual trend of Tim Corbin finding a way to get his club playing their best baseball when it matters. Braden described the rivalry very accurately on Twitter by saying Vandy is the tux-wearing, martini-drinking James Bond who's been hosting the party for 15 years, while the Vols are the drunken rednecks who've kicked in the back door and don't know how to act like they've been there before. Buckle up for this one. It was a fun ride. We've got all that and much more coming right up on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, Grab a cold one and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 157. It is April 5th, 2022. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. And Will Vanderbilt has been swept by the Tennessee Volunteers. The Vols come into Nashville, the number one overall team of the country, and they stay that way after beating Vanderbilt 6-2 in game one, 5-2 in game two, and 5-0 in game three. Will, I know you were there for game three, and there there were a lot a lot of Tennessee fans, of course, a lot of Vanderbilt fans. There's a mix of, of kind of a, a, a hodgepodge of, of the rivalry in the state of Tennessee. Uh, but but boy, did we ate, eat our words. Uh, I'll, I'll say that right there. We, we ate our words and we're going to come come on here and admit it. Uh, the world is not ending. The world has not uh, has not ended. Uh, I think some Vanderbilt fans have already pointed to that after this sweep. But uh, I'll just say this. We, we ate our words and, and I'll go on here and admit it. We, we were wrong. We were completely when we're wrong. right, Billy, we need to start. You don't do it enough. I do it plenty. But when we're right, we need to really start hammering down the fact that we are right. And yes, we need to we start do. tweeting it out because no one responds to my tweets and says things underneath our podcasts and things when I predict the store score of the game correctly. And that's understandable because, you know, it's it's not as fun to make fun of me and you when we're right. But Every, we probably had five, six, seven Tennessee fans in our mentions about, or at least I did, because I was probably a little more vocal uh, yeah. about it, but that that were saying something about my prediction and everything. So next time when we predict we need and we get it right, we've got to make sure to put it out there and make sure everyone knows, but we've got to take our walk of shame. It's like the Mississippi State prediction I did during football season when yep. I predicted Vanderbilt to, uh, to win the game and the upset and their first uh, SEC win of the season, and they lost 45 to 6. So this feels relatively similar to that. I predicted Vanderbilt to come out and dominate UT. I, I thought that UT would have some trouble maybe scoring, and we'll get to more into that when we have, uh, have our actual recap of the game. But Vanderbilt didn't do a terrible job keeping them off the scoreboard. 
it was Vanderbilt's bats. And that's mm-hmm. something that I don't think me and you necessarily saw coming was the struggles this team had against UT's pitching. Yeah, no doubt about it, Will. And, you know, uh, we, we, I, I, we definitely need to hammer down whenever we're right we need to we need to bask in the glory of how right we were because I feel like every time we uh, we come on here and after a loss it's like oh damn we're wrong but hey next time we're right we're both right we're, we're gonna we're gonna stick it to uh, but to we say that we've predicted plenty of Vanderbilt losses so don't yeah. I mean yeah. it's not just a Vanderbilt wins or Vanderbilt loses it's just sometimes we take more drastic predictions and yeah. uh, sometimes those work out sometimes those don't so. <laughs> Uh, we just got to be honest on both sides. Is you got to take the take the lumps where you have them, and gotta definitely take this the week. This weekend was a lump for the door report and our prediction accuracy. <laughs> no doubt about it. We'll, we'll sit there and take it. That's what you got to do. You got to take your losses, but you guys got to take your wins <laughs> as well. Uh, but well, coming up later, uh, I interviewed uh, Braden Gall, owner of 440 Sports in Nashville. We talked a lot of baseball. We talked college baseball in the state of Tennessee. He was there for Game Three, just like you were, and and uh, of course Tennessee graduate. But he understands, uh, of course, how good Vanderbilt has been and the domination Tim Corbin has shown so we'll dive more into this rivalry and and where it's going but well let's get into the breaking news before we do though don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report like us on Facebook subscribe to our YouTube channel our podcast is available on anchor iTunes Spotify and Google podcast and while you're at it give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes all right let's get to the breaking news no matter what style you're going for you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. A Laco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, let's get into it. It's uh, it, it's all Vandy UT here. The, the Vols have swept Vanderbilt. Uh, they, they beat Vanderbilt in a series for the first time since 2009, which, you know, that's pretty incredible, showing the domination that Tim Corbin uh, ha- has had over Tennessee. Uh, first time Tennessee's beaten Vanderbilt in an overall series at all since 2016. And Vanderbilt has lost all of a sudden, Will, back-to-back SEC series. That hasn't happened since 2018. Of course, that very young team, uh, they ended up making the Supers that year, uh, but they lost to Mississippi State, of course, in Game 3 on the doorstep of Omaha. Uh, but, Will, there, there's a lot to get to here. Uh, but I'll start off with pitching matters. Pitching is the most important thing in the game of baseball, especially college baseball. Last season, Vanderbilt was carried by Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. We, we all know that. And I'm not saying we took them for granted. But I know there are some Vandy fans out there who had unreasonably high expectations for this team. Yes, it's a Tim Corbin team, but when you lose two guys like Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, you're just you're not gonna have you're not gonna have the same type of production. It's impossible. You're just not. You might get close. And with Vanderbilt pitching, of course, this series they didn't. It's not like they struggled. I mean, they gave up what five six runs in game one, five runs in game two, five in game three. It's not awful. Of course, to the know. number one offense yes. in the NCAA. That's that's the caveat with this is those numbers aren't like phenomenal. Don't, don't pop off the page from the pitching staff. But this was against a Tennessee team that was putting up video double game digit, numbers. Yeah, and they, they and we'll up, get to why that was in a second. Yes, but. we will. But And they put up double digit runs against Ole Miss and they dominated Ole Miss. This wasn't, you know, I don't think it was a domination. I think it was kind of a slow death type of series where, you know, things would happen and then you get to a point in the game where, Okay, Tennessee's going to win this game. There's nothing really Vanderbilt could do. Corbin, after the game, after the series, said they just kind of suppressed Vanderbilt with their pitching. Um, and and give credit to those guys. Will their pitching staff is incredible. I mean, th- those are those three guys are, are three of the better pitching pitchers in in a rotation I've seen in a long time in college baseball. And we've seen a lot of really good Vanderbilt pitchers. I mean. <laughs> too many to count uh, on two hands. So uh, Vanderbilt baseball, of course, I think right now. The sky is not falling. The world is not ending. Yes, you got swept by Tennessee, but we're not even halfway through the season. It's a long, long season. And, and this is a tweet from Aria Gerson after the, after the series. Uh, when Tim Corbin was asked if he would commit to Patrick Riley as the Sunday starter going forward, Corbin said he wasn't in the mood to answer that. Then he said, I just want to take a hammer and hit myself over the head. So I think a lot, I think a lot of Vandy fans felt the same way. But, Will, he also said, this game has a way of coming back to those who treat it well, and we do. 
the game is very easy for that group right now down the street, and they're playing well. This game, The game's difficult for us right now, but it's not always going to be. That This team has a lot to figure out at this point in the season, and Corbin realizes that. He realizes this is a long season, and so do Vanderbilt fans. Vanderbilt fans get that. They know that obviously you got swept. That hurts. I'm not saying it doesn't. Uh, because it does, but Vanderbilt has a long past of figuring things out in time for the postseason where Corbin's teams are usually playing their best ball. That's point blank bottom line. I mean, they, they always do. I mean, they haven't entered a postseason where they're just playing awful baseball and they've lost it, but it seems like they always heat up down the stretch, especially in 2018. They were the two seed in the Clemson regional. They ended up winning that regional and they got to host a super against Mississippi state. They lost it, but that, you know, that was a really young team of course too. So well, obviously a tough, tough weekend for the Vandy boys, but everything's still in front of them. And this is a lot different than football. It's a long season. This you're not even halfway there. There's, there's a lot to figure out. It's not all good, but uh, the, the, the sky is not falling in, in Vanderbilt. Uh, I think should be fine down the stretch here. I think me and you said this before the season. No, I don't think we anticipated that we would be having this discussion right now after Tennessee swept Vanderbilt and they were had a losing record in conference of four and five and they're kind of faltering not really when you expect a Vanderbilt team coached by Tim Corbin to be faltering kind of right in the middle of this beginning of SEC play when things were picking up but every year we were doing this podcast last year at this time and that team if you'll remember with Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter granted but and we were saying the same thing, extremely talented pitching staff. And so I, I don't want to make too many comparisons because that was such a unique situation. But I was listening to 104.5 uh, driving down the road, and I don't remember what show it was or what time it was, but they said something about Tennessee and what Vanderbilt has done in baseball. Tennessee baseball is really where they are because of Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt has set this standard of baseball in Tennessee. And now the the standard is to make it to the college world series make it to omaha at least make it to a super regional that is the standard of baseball to be a successful program in the state of tennessee and tennessee has elevated themselves to vanderbilt's level right now because and so i kind of liked how they yeah i kind of like how they put that put that because vanderbilt built really this modern momentum your feeling of ncaa baseball and this kind of push and excitement around it that i don't think you felt three or four years ago even two years ago i don't think you felt this is a lot to do with vanderbilt and the stars they created and dansby swanson and even going back to david price and walker bueller and a lot of that is vanderbilt so i think there is some respect there from tony vitello i don't know who tweeted it but vitello had the quote of uh, Tim Corbin and him had a great conversation, a very respectful conversation. He said something about that Tim Corbin was actually the one who reached out for the conversation. He said something like, Vitello said, my resume ain't good enough to be reaching yep. out to have a conversation. And, it, and that was a good quote because I don't really even hate Tennessee and Vitello and being the bad guys because that's a lot of the time I think what me and you wouldn't hate to see out of Vanderbilt in, in other sports outside of baseball. So there, there's a double side side to this coin that this Vitello team is really good right now, but there's there's a lot of controversy surrounding that, Billy. I don't know how much we're going to get into this bat thing going on here, but, yeah, but I'm sure we'll get to that after we break down the stats here. Yeah, there's a little bit more to break down, and, and we will get to that. I have the, the tweet from Chris Lee that, that we'll get into, but, Will, I, I want to get a little bit more into this team and where they're at. There's a lot to figure out with this team still. Um, you know, you talk about it a lot with Vanderbilt basketball. They need to figure their shit out. I mean, that's where their team is. They need to figure their shit out, yeah. and they will. They will. Uh, Spencer Jones, Dom Keegan, and Enrique Bradfield, they are doing what they can at the top of this lineup right now. They're fine. They're hitting well. They're getting on base. But the bottom of this lineup has to step up. They have to. They have to hold up their end of the bargain. Another aspect, Will, this team has to get healthy. There's a couple guys that are very key to this team that have been banged up. Nick Maldonado has not pitched in a few weeks, and his oblique injury, of course, I think it's looking good, uh, according to Tim Corbin. He's gotten back on the mound throwing, but his status is still up in the air. Tate Colwick got banged up against Tennessee, so he's another guy kind of you know, in, in, in limbo with his injury. Who knows how much we'll see him this weekend against Auburn. Is Christian Little out of the doghouse? He pitched a little bit on Sunday, of course, pitched really well. Does he end up maybe finding a, a starter role maybe on Sunday? 
Uh, another part, Will, the leaders need to step up. You know, we talk about that with football all the time. We talked about it a lot with basketball. But there's leaders on this team that I think need to play better. Dom Keegan, I think, could have played better this weekend. Tate Colwick, of course, I know he was banged up. Uh, Chris McElveen, I thought he pitched well, really well Saturday, uh, on Friday. Uh, but I think that's a lot of it, too, that the leaders and the veterans need to step up on this team and the bottom of the lineup. I mean, that, that's where this team's at right now. Another guy, Will, that I think we talked a little bit about last season and kind of his rise was Parker Nolan. Uh, Parker Nolan is a kid from Knoxville that Vanderbilt grabbed from Farragut High School. And, you know, he's obviously a talented kid. He played solid last year, played a little bit of third, played a little bit of second. Uh, but he hasn't played – he hasn't even really been in the lineup this season. So I think there's stuff to figure out there. I, th- I think there's some guys in the Corbin doghouse that I think are trying to get out of it right now. So there's a ton to figure out, but they'll figure it out. They'll be fine like they like they always are. Uh, but I think now you have to go on the road, Will, and play a, a scorching hot Auburn club, and uh, we're going to see what this team is made of. We're, we're going to see what this group is made of and kind of the fibers that they're able to build. Uh, and Carter Holton, Will, I thought he pitched you know well Saturday. He, he's improving, uh, but he's he was one of the he was the number one pitcher coming out of high school. He'll be fine. So I think I think this pitching staff will be fine. They still need to figure out their game three starter. That's back to back years where Van. Vanderbilt hasn't solidified their game three starter, and that doesn't usually happen under Tim Corbin. You don't usually uh, see that type of thing happen, but it but it is. And, and so, Will, that's where this team is right now. But uh, I, I do I do want to get into the issue with the bat, and it all started, of course, right at the beginning of game one on Friday. What what an electrifying start that was to the series, where Jordan Beck hits an opposite field homer. And, well, that looked like a, a lazy fly ball pop out to right field, but that one kept carrying it, carried over the wall. And, but he gets around the bases and Vanderbilt uh, checks the bat and all hell breaks loose in the Tennessee dugout. Tony Vitello comes out and starts arguing the call. He, you know, he, he wanted to see the bat. He said, give me the effing bat. And he was, he was hot. Uh, but, Will, I, I initially thought in, my, in the back of my mind, I was like, no way. No way they're juicing these bats. No way. And, and, and deep, it's kind of a deep thought in my head. Initially, when I saw that, I was like, could Tennessee really be juicing their bats? I mean, the stats prove it. The stats, it's, uh, the stats are unreal. And even last season, too. And I know you've got a little bit on this, Will, but I'm not going to go out there and say they're juicing the bats. But I still think there's more to figure out with the sticker on the bats and, and, you know, are, 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 is there any juicing going on? Because the way this Tennessee team has played, I'm, I, I hate discrediting, discrediting them, but there's the thought in the back of your mind of what's going on over there in Knoxville. They, they, there's a little bit of that, a little bit of that. And I know we were talking off air, but uh, you've got a little bit here that uh, might, may strike some Vanderbilt fans, also Tennessee fans probably too. I mean, this is the thing. So I, I like to take it all back, and this is kind of a hyperbolic statement, Billy, and this is what I used to you, and I think it's a good parallel to draw here, is I don't know what UT's doing. They may be doing nothing, and all of this may just be due to their increased focus on the weight room, and this team has just gone into the weight room, and they've just really hit it hard this offseason. <laughs> but this team last year was hitting an absurd number of home runs, okay? And we all knew that Tennessee, that was what they were known for. And we blamed it on the ballpark. A lot of fans are on the SEC and it, and it kind of played out that way once we got to postseason play and saw this team in neutral sites and, and larger ballparks. But this season, so we'll, we'll take a step back. So Tennessee last season in 2021, they had hit, they hit 98 home runs in 68 games. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a lot of home runs and uh, throughout a season. Yes, it is. And granted, and I want to say all this with, in the SEC play, once that starts, there will be a downtick in numbers. We talked about that going into this series, that these gaudy numbers were going to go down a bit. But what is that percentage that they're expected to decline, Billy? I don't know, 10%, 20%. Yeah, somewhere around there. We'll have to, look, we'll have to follow, do some research and find those stats. But that is what is going to be the thing to watch. Tennessee, through 25 games prior to that Game 1 Vanderbilt series when that bat was removed, and they had time to trash any other bats that were juiced or not juiced. I'm not even saying. This is just what we can watch and determine for ourselves based on the data. They have hit 66 home runs through 25 games prior to the Vanderbilt series. 66 home runs through 25 games, leading the country. So 2021 was 98 home runs 
through 68 games. That's a huge difference. That's like mm-hmm. a two and a half X jump in production from this Tennessee offense. Then in the Vanderbilt series, they hit three home runs in three games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's just something to keep an eye on. That that rate is starting to look a lot more like last season's rate of home runs just in this small little sample yeah. size of Vanderbilt's, uh, this small Vanderbilt series. So we will see how the rest of this plays out because regardless of if there's anything to do with the NCAA, anything to do with any uh, actual repercussions or testing of the bats or being able to prove it, if their numbers drop by 25% after the, this bat check and after all of this controversy, we will know for a fact that this team was juicing the bats because it's like the steroid era. I said the hyperbolic statement. It's everything you heard was when you look back now, you feel like an idiot. When you look at Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and you say Jose Canseco and you say, we really thought that those guys were that much bigger just because of their commitment to the weight room and the training methods and the new and the new technology that they had <laughs> to increase their efficiency and power. And you look back now and say, obviously, there is some cheating going on because just look at the guys and then look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, this is pretty much the same. It's just look at the numbers. These are unprecedented, like never happened in the history of baseball. And every single explanation with the same guys that hit a lot of home runs last year, I'll give it to them. They hit a lot of home runs last year, but the same guys that hit that number at that pace, about 1.3 per game are now hitting at the pace of about two and a half per game. So is it just because they just committed to the weight room like Tony Vitello said, or is maybe there's something going on with these bats? That will play out the rest of the season. It's going to be a blast to break down that data at the end of the year because I can almost say without a doubt that their numbers are going to drop pretty severely. Without a doubt. I, I'm, I'm with you, Will. And Chris Lee actually confirmed this on Twitter. Uh, somebody asked him a question at not Vandy OC asked him. So there is confirmation that the Jordan Beck bat fa- fa- badly failed a compression test per Chris Lee. Will the SEC take action? Chris Lee responded with, yes, that's true. And nobody knows what's coming next. It's up to the NCAA and I'm not sure what the rules are there. So uh, I, I guess this is in the NCAA. I, I would imagine the NCAA is not going to do anything. I, I would agree. You would just get it. Well, first off, it's baseball. So this, this story can be swept under the rug very easily because it's not football and it's not basketball. Uh, there's just not as many eyes and not as many big talking heads that are even going to take notice of it. So it's not going to draw in as much attention. So it can be swept under the rug, A. And B, this kind of attention for the team that you have been promoting as the new bad boys of the entirety of college baseball and specifically at least the SEC that are just rocking the ball out of the ballpark. And now you have this controversy related to the legality of their bats and the compression test Mm -hmm. and that failure. So I think this is just going to go away similar to Tennessee paying players with bags of uh, money and McDonald's bags. That's just disappeared. Uh, Really the NCAA at this point, just cheat. Just cheat as much as you want. Kansas has like 10 pending NCAA investigation charges related to their recruiting. Doesn't matter. They got a natty and that ain't going away. Cheat. Why The NCAA is, is toothless. They're gumming universities. Just cheat. Pay the fine. And you will make tenfold more back in the revenue you produce off the run you make from cheating and the success you have from cheating versus what anything the NCAA is going to do at this point. Kansas and Tennessee are perfect examples of that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I think a lot of it is the Cracker Box Park they play in and the cupcakes they also played <laughs> at the beginning of the season. Come Combining now, now that, Tennessee, though, I will say Tennessee now, but the stats will drop after Vanderbilt. They, they don't lead by as much, but now they're the number one strength of schedule in the country. So I just have to say that I was wrong. I don't want this all to sound yeah. like I'm blaming it on that. Tennessee's pitching staff was incredible, and that is what I did not expect. I thought Tennessee would be able to only put up about five, six runs a game, but I never expected Vanderbilt to only be able to put up two runs a game or no runs in game three. So that's, that is what lost Vanderbilt this series, but Tennessee's overall numbers, I think are the bigger overarching story because that is what is going to carry over to the rest of the season, as opposed to an early sec series sweep that Vanderbilt suffered at the hands of Tennessee. A bigger issue here, Will, is the recruiting in the mid state and, and how that affects how this series and when what Tennessee has shown affects that you got two guys in this rotation, Will, that are from mid-state schools. You got Chase Burns from Gallatin, and then uh, the Sunday starter uh, Drew Beam from Blackman. Those are guys that Tim Corbin usually grabs. 
He's usually getting those type of guys. And now Tony Vitello has them not saying there's a talent drop off. Vanderbilt, I think, is is just as talented as Tennessee. Maybe they're not as experienced. The pitching is obviously better. Tennessee's um, the better team right Tennessee, now. Yeah, I Tennessee, think that's true, but they're also the more experienced team right now. Yeah, Tennessee. In, in general, they have, a, they have a dude that's like 38 years old playing first base. I mean, he has three kids. They, they're literally the ball boys. So that, that's going to help them out yeah, when you have help that leadership I, and experience think, there. I think the COVID year helped them out a lot. It, it really did. They really used that uh, to their advantage. Uh, but, Will, I, I asked this to Braden Gall, and, and he had a really good answer about uh, kind of the impact this has in recruiting. And he basically said – Listen, Tim Corman's not going to slow down recruiting. He recruits nationally. He recruits Northeast. He recruits in the South. He recruits everywhere. Uh, but he's also said it. This this will have an impact. Tennessee is 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 starting to close that gap a little bit. Uh, but that's what I noticed. Will Tennessee's pitchers is eons, and maybe not eons, but they're better than Tennessee's pitching than Vanderbilt's pitching staff. They they just are. And, and I, that helps that Vanderbilt doesn't have Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter anymore a little bit. Um, but at the same time, Will, I, I wonder, I, I just wonder how much this rivalry and, and where it's at right now affects what Tim, Tim Corbin does in, 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 on the recruiting trail. Yes, they still have the number one recruiting class next season. It hasn't affected it much at all, uh, but Tennessee's there. And, and I think this rivalry is good for Vanderbilt baseball. I really do. I think it's good. I think it gets more eyes on the sport, not only in Nashville, but regionally and even nationally, especially if these two teams are making Omaha. Like, I don't think this should be something that Vanderbilt fans, obviously you're not happy about the sweep, but I don't think this is something like I'm sure Tennessee football when Vanderbilt football under James Franklin, like, okay, let's make it a little bit more fun. We, we got a good Vanderbilt team over there. And, you know, I, but then it's like, okay, if they start beating you, then that's where it's like, okay, <laughs> something has to change here. So, well, there's a lot still to happen only this season, but in recruiting down the road. And uh, I, I just wonder, I wanted to throw that out there a little bit. And, and you know, we'll, we'll see how Corbin continues to do in the mid-state. He's done a fine job. Chris McElwain, uh, you know, is from Thompson Station, played, uh, you know, of course, played at uh, – where did he play? Thompson Station. I forget what high school he played at. But uh, but nonetheless, Will, there, there's, there's still plenty of talent coming in next season for Vanderbilt. They're not worried about that. Uh, but those two pitchers, you just wonder. You just wonder how much that could change recruiting, uh, especially in the mid-state and, and, and where Vanderbilt goes. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to. And, and it's very simple because it's the same strategy that currently Clark Lee and the football program are trying to use. I think it's the same one that the basketball program is trying to use as well because they've seen the recruiting strategy play out perfectly at Vanderbilt underneath Tim Corbin exactly in the same way that it has at Alabama for coach Nick Saban. Mm -hmm. And that is you base the entirety of your recruiting pitch, not just on the college and the education you'll receive. Vanderbilt is able to uniquely focus on not playing at Vanderbilt, but what it provides after. And that is what Tim Corbin so succinctly sold on this baseball program is you are going to come here, compete at the highest level, but that's not the selling point. What you are going to take with you is the selling point. And I don't think you have that at Tennessee, and I don't think you're going to have that at Tennessee under Coach Vitello because he's just not going to develop the major league talent in the same way that Tim Corbin is, which is the most important thing, bar none, not even close, to get these top-level recruits is development of talent for the next level. And that is what Tim Corbin is the best in the country at, and you have perfect examples of Kumar Rocker, even though the Mets are a trash organization and did not sign them due to that whatever the hell elbow aging uh, issue. I don't know. Whatever. And then you have Jack Leiter on the Rangers. You have Vandy boys everywhere. How many Tennessee baseball players can you name or, or can anyone name that are impact stars at the next level? And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think there is one. So that is why. Vanderbilt is not going to struggle because they are recruiting a different class of player currently than Tennessee is. And that's not going to change, even though Tennessee is, is up there and, and they may eventually get to that level right now. They are a program that is recruiting well enough to every two, three, four years have a team that is capable of winning the national championship. Vanderbilt has a team that is capable of winning the national championship every single year, year in year out because of the level they recruit at. We will see if that's able to carry out because Vitello, he's done a hell of a job. He's built it for nothing. That was another part of the quote from Vitello is he said he respects the hell out of anyone that builds 
a program mm-hmm. from nothing. And that's what Tim Corbin did. And that's what Vitello is trying to do. Now they're doing it in very different styles. And I think that's the main, the main thing is not only, I think, and I think the styles kind of reflect the universities as yes, well. Yes, they do. And I think that is what's so perfect about this baseball rivalry and why it has drawn so much of the attention of the state and of surrounding SEC teams is not only is this rival of two of the best teams in the country, two of the best programs in the country, two of the most known college baseball coaches in the country. They have complete polar opposite styles at complete polar opposite universities that are two and a half hours down the road from each other. And so we said that, you know, there's a lot of season to be played, but just keep in mind when you talk about the pitching, Billy, you had the quote of their eons ahead that Tennessee's number one in the country right now. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're They're 1.8. No, 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 no. They are eons, but that's not what I'm getting at is yes, Tennessee may be eons ahead right now. I agree with you. Yeah. Tennessee's number one in the country, 1.8 ERA. Vanderbilt is number three in the country, but Tennessee's still eons ahead of them because Vanderbilt's ERA is a 2.71. So that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Is we are making this comparison to, I know it's the bitter rival. It's the guys in orange, that terrible color. It's a trash color. But this team right now, this Tennessee team, statistically and how they are playing, and we'll see on the batting side, but from the pitching side, they are the best pitching staff in the country right now. And they proved that to me over the weekend. I was doubtful. I was a hater. I'll say it now. Tennessee's pitching staff impressed me. So we're comparing Vanderbilt's pitching staff, who really didn't do a terrible job this weekend against such a high-powered offense, and who is sitting right now at number three in the country in ERA, and we're very disappointed in the pitching output because we're used to having, the Vanderbilt fan base is used to having Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter and Walker Bueller and David Price. That doesn't happen every year. And so it's a spoil of riches. You're going to have years where there are just guys that aren't necessarily those lockdown Sunday starter guys. You're just without that. And so the weekend starters just aren't where they have been. But I think there's time to improve because we're saying this and they're sitting at third in the country in ARA. Yep. So I think that's a pretty decent place to be complaining from about the pitching staff. Yeah, and well, we, we've got Braden Gall coming up. And on, on, the, on the topic of the rivalry, uh, he had a really cool uh, tweet. He said, on this rivalry, Vanderbilt is a tux-wearing, martini-drinking James Bond who's been hosting the party for 15 years. Meanwhile, in Knoxville, Vols are the drunken rednecks who've kicked in the back door and don't know how to act like they've been there before. I mean, I, That's I, me I, clapping right now because that is I, – I haven't seen that tweet, but I'm going to go retweet that. And he's I'll, getting a follow just based on that because that I'll, was incredible. I'll send it to you. He also said, and it's so glorious. I love it. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's yeah. perfect. I mean, it's the it, it's everything you could want in, yep. in like a rivalry. If you could script a rivalry out of a movie, this is what it would be. You have the traditional just – exactly how we said it man oh, that's it's, perfect, it's perfect from brain I mean, so now i'm excited to listen to the interview yeah, billy because i didn't get to be a part of it so i'm excited <laughs> to listen he was awesome he was awesome and, and and there's there's a lot a lot of layers of this rivalry he also talked about it with the way vanderbilt plays baseball matches their fans and the way they want to watch baseball the way tennessee plays with vol twitter and tony vitello and the way they cheer for their team it, they're uh, polar opposites polar opposites and well, I'm excited. I, I I like the rivalry, but uh, you know, at the same time, Vanderbilt they've, they've got some stuff to figure out, and and we'll see if they can. They play Austin P tonight at Hawkins Field. That's a six o'clock six o'clock local time, and then they'll play Auburn uh, next weekend down in uh, down in Alabama. Will you're going to be in the garage tonight again? Uh, I I heard you had a good time last weekend. <laughs> I will not be in the garage uh, for the game tonight, considering it is raining right now. I'm looking out my window as I'm recording this podcast. Never lovely, mind. lovely day. But uh, yeah, it was fun on Sunday. Uh, there were there, I almost didn't go because the series, Vanderbilt had already lost the yeah. series and we're down 2-0. But I decided to go and just go catch a game. And there was also tennis going on. I think they were playing Florida in front. I kept, because that's actually, I got there a little bit. I got there about 30 minutes before game time. The best spots were taken on the top of the parking garage. But I was right in front of the tennis courts there, and and Vanderbilt tennis had a hell of a match against Florida. I'm not sure who came out on top, but I but I heard some yelling there, and it came down to one uh, one tennis match there. But the seats on top of the garage were mostly Tennessee. Yeah. I don't I don't want to say it because it. But that game three, I can't say it for game one and two. There was one Vanderbilt tailgate set up, then three or four Tennessee, and then there were two or three mixed tailgates. It, it was mostly Tennessee on top of that in game three. 
Now game one and two, I saw a lot more Vanderbilt support in that, Billy. As mm-hmm. the train comes by with the perfect timing. Perfect timing. Is, uh, perfect is pretty timing. much just due to that series and the score was at 2-0. Vanderbilt fans did a pretty decent job, I think, of keeping Tennessee fans out of those seats. So I'll uh, I'll go on mute now as the train goes by and let you close this out. There it is. The hardest working man in Vanderbilt podcasting is on mute. And we head over to our interview with Braden Gall here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Welcome back into the Door Report. I am Billy Derrick, and I'm happy now to be joined by Braden Gall, the owner of 440 Sports in Nashville, Tennessee. He's also, uh, of course, written uh, college football articles and pieces and previews for Athlon Sports. Uh, I'm sure many of you have seen him there, and you you can also hear him on ESPN Radio and 104.5 The Zone. Braden, uh, I know your uh, college football is right up your alley, but uh, I want to talk a little baseball. How about that? Uh, I love it, man. College sports is is why I got into this business. So let's, let's rock and roll. Let's do it. Let's uh, let, let's start with the series this weekend. And I mean, un- undoubtedly the most anticipated college baseball series, I think at Hawkins field on a long time, you were there at game three, how much of it were you able to watch and, and how much of it uh, kind of emphasized the fact that, Hey, college baseball is, is really starting to heat up, especially in, in, in the state of Tennessee, man, there's a lot, a lot in that question. Um, <laughs> First of all, I enjoy the weather anytime it's not a 100-degree Super Regional at Hawkins Field because a lot of the times that I get to go to games when I actually have time and like when college baseball is sort of the focus of, of the media in general. Um, in my career, it's been sort of college sports and in the calendar, May and June are when we focus on, on, on college baseball. Um, and generally, it's hot as hell at Hawkins Field. Yep. I think the hot, literally the hottest game I've ever been to. East Carolina. I think was last year. And when you're in the, when you're in the press, you stand like you're either in the press box or you're standing up against the brick wall on metal bleachers. So like, there's just heat bouncing everywhere. I talked to um, my former boss. He works for the athletic Mitch light. He's been a season ticket holder at Hawkins field for God. I don't know. 20 years. Son was a bat boy for, for Tim Corbin yep. for many years. Um, I asked him that night, that day, I was like, is this the, hot- you've been coming to games here for 20 years. Is this the hottest it's ever been? And he agreed. So uh, I did love the, the weather was just absolutely perfect. I dipped out after they went up five, Tennessee went up five, nothing. I thought, you know, I got a, I got the three-year-old soccer game. I got to get to, you know, it's her first game. I can't miss that. So, but, but I got to watch a lot of it and uh, you know, like I, I think everybody who's got a brain knows that a single series in the middle of a, a baseball season with 45 or 50 games is not mm-hmm. like, it doesn't right. really mean anything in the standings and in the championship race and all that other stuff. Like that being said, (laughs) it meant a whole lot. And I think it means a whole lot for a couple of different reasons. And one of the things I was talking about with I sat with Mitch at the game on, on Sunday and we just kind of watched ball. And one of the things is I think Hawkins field needs to be bigger. Like I think I agree. I agree. Vandy has grown this thing to the point where there needs to be, I don't know if, it's like an upper deck down the third the first baseline or like an extra layer on the second like you can't have that many seats in the outfield for the best program in america so that that's a good thing that the sport has grown in nashville it's good for vanderbilt baseball nobody wants to hear this it is good for vanderbilt baseball for tennessee to be good it is good for tennessee baseball that vanderbilt has been the premier program in the sport and it is good for all of us in the state and any baseball fan even if you're like an lsu fan it is great for the state it is great for the sport for this to be as passionate and as heated and as good as it is right now and i think that is like the overarching message for me and i don't know why we'll get into this mm-hmm. <laughs> why vandy fans are so sensitive why tennessee fans are so obnoxious like there there's it, there's both sides of it here but that's what makes it great mm-hmm. that's what makes it awesome um as someone who's been going to that stadium for 15 years, like I love it. I love the energy. I love the the vibe. I love the the vitriol and the hatred. And I think it's good for the sport. It's good for the state that both these teams are as good as they are. And we can get into why people are so worked up about all this stuff, which I find to be utterly fascinating. 
It is. It, it, there's there's a lot of layers, as you said, and I, I really liked your tweet. Uh, there's a lot of tweets I liked that you said, and I agreed with all of them. Uh, but one of them in particular, Braden, you said, not sure there's a rivalry in all of college baseball with as many layers as Vanderbilt, Tennessee. And I instantly knew what exactly what you were talking about. The the type of, of Vanderbilt player that Tim Corbin recruits is not the type of player that Tony Vitello at Tennessee recruits. And Hawkins Field is very different than the atmosphere at, at uh, Lindsey Nelson Stadium. And, and they're very different, but I love it. I, that's why I was so excited for this series. And next year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be even more anticipated, I think, in Knoxville. But could you run through those layers in your mind that, that you were <laughs> referencing uh, with this rivalry? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I've been around. I've been to Omaha a few times. I've I've covered the game kind of loosely for for SiriusXM and some other jobs throughout the years. And I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know, you know, that Cal State Fullerton doesn't have a better rivalry than Vandy Tennessee, or that Miami Florida State, or you know, NC State North Carolina, or you know, there's so many great rivalry. I mean, mm-hmm. LSU, LSU with everybody. Um, you know, there, there's so many great rivalries in college sports and in college baseball. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend. And that's why I worded that tweet the way I did, because I first wrote it out. And I was like, I just because what had happened is I went to the game on Sunday and I had written out what I was going to say on my show the next morning. I'd recorded it and I felt pretty good about it and was just excited about I was kind of buoyed coming out of that atmosphere. Not 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 at all because of who won or whatever. I just it was great to be at the park on a beautiful day with two great teams competing. And that's just why I love sports. And I'd been thinking about it and thinking about it. And I, I just realized, I was like, man, there's, and I, I said this last year, you know, when Vanderbilt went up there and, and won in Knoxville, and then they both get into the, 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 um, they're, they're in the tournament and they're mm-hmm. competing to get to Omaha. And I, I just am like, this is great. Like, this is awesome. And it's only built on itself because Tennessee has embraced the villain role even more. Um, and Vitello's pissing people off even more. The way they play is even um, Tennessee fans are even more obnoxious now because they're expecting to be good, which is also great. Um, But one of the main layers for me, and this is where Vandy fans, I think, miss the point, to be honest with you. The Vandy fan that I've heard a lot in my mentions and even family members, in-laws, true story, (laughs) who come come to me and say, well, you kind of need to be good. You need to have trophies. You need to have some skins on the wall. And like, I get all of that argument for this to be a rivalry. But like the fact that you're pissed off that I'm calling it a rivalry proves my point that it's definitely a rivalry. <laughs> and that is because Vanderbilt has been the premier program in college baseball. Like I would argue maybe not like 15 years, but let's say at least since 2000, let's say 10. Um, and I got literally, I got engaged during game two of the 14 championship series against Virginia because we went out on the beach, like they won game one. And we went out on the beach and I proposed to my wife. And because there's so many Vanderbilt fans in my wife's family, we could not come back and tell anybody that we got engaged. We had to wait for the final two or three innings to, to end. This is all true story. That's awesome. They lose, the, they lose game two, they come back and they win game three and they win the, the national championship. So I would say since way before that, Vanderbilt has been the premier baseball program in this country. Two national championships. I don't know how many times they've made it to the final series. What, four times to the final series? Yep. Made it, made it to Omaha a bunch of times. Like they are the standard. How many first round picks? How many pitchers on opening day? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Minnesota, the Dodgers, like they're all going to have Vanderbilt guys opening as their starters. And there's no arguing. Tim, Tim Corbin, like one of the greatest human beings in all of college sports. So they're, they're the top dog. And that is what makes it so great that Tennessee has jumped into this party with like two feet, like just, carrying a boombox on their shoulders, screaming obscenities because that's not how Vandy plays. That's not what Tim Corbin believes in as a style. It's not what the Vandy university and fan base and culture is. It's it's, we can be honest. It's definitely pinkies up at Vanderbilt. That's fine. Yeah. But that's why Vanderbilt people love Vanderbilt and why Tennessee people love Tennessee is because we're a bunch of obnoxious rednecks. And that, that is like that. That's part of how they play the game. So when you package this Vanderbilt thing where we have been the dominant program in a sport, it's our thing, right? Baseball, college baseball is our thing at Vanderbilt. We do this better than anybody. You're starting to lose a little bit of that grip here, right? In the state. Cause Tennessee's starting to be pretty good. They're really good, but they're doing it in a way that pisses everybody off. And so 
but they that's what they love about themselves the same way Vanderbilt loves the things that that makes them good at baseball right we follow the unwritten rules where we have a certain composure and poise to our game we play it this way and like again there's no right or wrong it's just they're different and they re- and they completely represent the socioeconomic um culture of both universities and the fans Mm -hmm. and when those two things collide with two really good baseball teams it's awesome i'm I'm sorry like it's every single thing you could possibly want oh not to mention like vitello and corbin are going up against each other you said they don't recruit the same player i disagree with that i i know for a fact that they recruit some of the same players and that um let's just say that when one guy loses a player to the other guy they're not happy about it let's just i would say there's no love lost between the two coaches no and so all of that, just you put it all together and you just keep building these layers. The fact that Nashville and Vandy, Tennessee and Vandy people all live amongst each other in Nashville. My family, both on my, on my side and my wife's side, it's all just a mixture of Vanderbilt and Tennessee fans with like one Alabama person. <laughs> and, and so it, it's just like you have to have proximity. You have to have a neighbor. You have to have a family member. You have to have all this stuff and it comes together and it's just like it is so tantalizingly good. And if, if they play in a super regional, God help us all, Mm, mm. God help us all super regional or in Omaha. Like it would just, it just, we can keep taking this thing to another level. And I think both sides can enjoy it and hate each other for all the exact same reasons. (laughs) And I think that that's what makes it great. I think it's great for the rivalry. You got Tennessee and Vanderbilt hate on on, in in college baseball. You've had it with football. You've seen it with basketball. Now you're getting it with, with baseball. And Braden, I want to ask you about this. Vanderbilt fans have, have tweeted, talked a lot about, Oh, now you're on the college baseball bandwagon, Tennessee fans. Now you care about college baseball. You know, and I think the same would be true if roles were reversed. I think Vanderbilt fans would obviously be hopping on the bandwagon if they had seen the trajectory uh, in, in, in the same way Tennessee baseball has. So what are your thoughts about that? Obviously, I think it's I think it's kind of dumb. I mean, college baseball is a niche sport and it's big in the SEC. But if your team sucks, no one's going to care. Like yeah, it, that's point yeah. blank. So, but what do you think about that? I mean, do, have, have are all Tennessee fans on this college baseball hype train right now, or are there still some stragglers out there that still don't really care? Like what, what, what what's your read on that? So this, this is where there's two different conversations here with this. And that is like when I was in college and I'll admit at UT, like they went to the college world series, my senior year, Tim Corbin wasn't at Vanderbilt yet. So, and Vanderbilt was largely irrelevant in baseball for its entire existence before that. So I only say that not to, not to say that one is better than the other. I say that just to say that 20 years or 15 years is actually a really small amount of time. Like we talk about the Titans and the Predators in this market being almost 25 years old and those being very young fan bases, young franchises. I think you need 50, 60, 70 years of something to call it sort of like a mature thing. There's also just a level of interest in college baseball that doesn't exist in general um, that we, we sort of pick up our interest around the end of SEC play and mm-hmm. we, we carry it through the tournament in Hoover. And then all of a sudden we're watching games on Thursday at two o'clock, you know, and like, and we're in love with, with, mm-hmm. the, with the tournament and stuff. So I think there's some of that, like I've, I've been on the air and this is what, this is the only thing that bothers me about the, the Vandy people who have come at me this week, which is fine. I, I love it. I, <laughs> Cut, like if you take time out of your day to log on to Twitter to tell me I'm stupid, then I'm honored by that. <laughs> um, but but uh, there's not been a single non-Vanderbilt graduate in this market in Nashville, Tennessee, in the media that has been more outspoken about supporting Tim Corbin in the Vanderbilt baseball program than me. I, I will I will put my resume, the amount of time I spent on air, the amount of tweets I've sent, whatever you want to call it. I will put the amount of games you've been to the amount of knowledge you have about David Price giving up home runs to Michigan catchers, like watching Tyler Beattie and Mike Miner and Walker Bueller and Carson Fulmer and Kyle Wright. And like, I've been to every one of those super regionals. I was in the press conference when Tim Corbin, after the Washington game was canceled, postponed because of rain. And he had to talk about Donnie Everett. I sat five feet from him and almost cried. So no one has been more supportive of that program than me in this market to try to say to people, listen, you have the best product in your sport. Parking is free. Tickets are like 15 or 20 bucks. And you can go watch the best thing that the country has to offer in college. Why are we not going to more Vanderbilt games? So I've, I've, I've been saying that for a decade. And so 
some of it is trying to sell people on the sport and it's just hard, you know, you know, football takes over year round college basketball in March is a big deal. So it's hard to gain interest there. You got the draft. that's going to take all of the oxygen up in the NFL for college Mm -hmm. baseball people. So it's just, it's always going to be a super, super niche sport. Um, But I think Tennessee fans, uh, to your point, I think it's, if, if, if Vanderbilt, if Jerry Stackhouse all of a sudden is, 25 and five every year you don't think Vanderbilt fans should be beating their chest about it? of course they should like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter how long you like the oh now you care about baseball thing it was like yeah now they're good <laughs> like <laughs> that's how sports works <laughs> yeah like uh, if we did that with the Predators we would have told everyone who came out to a playoff game in 2017 oh now you care about hockey like that's <laughs> that's not how it works we say come on in jump on the bandwagon let's have fun let's enjoy the ride and I think that's uh, Tennessee fans are doing that to the fullest and the way they're doing it, the way that with the fur coats and the staring at home runs, it sort of thumbs at their nose at the establishment baseball guy. And we could have endless amounts of debates about how to play the game. I'm pitching, I'm pitching on coach pitch for my daughter's first year in baseball. <laughs> and like, if she hits a little dribbler and gets on the first base, I want her celebrating, like have fun. It's a game. So I'm okay with the way Tennessee plays because it fits their personality. I'm okay with the way Vandy plays because it fits their personality. They clash like crazy. Um, And I hope what it does, again, to your question, I hope it generates interest in the sport that was not there before. And if that's the case, more people are going to watch Vanderbilt, more people are going to watch Tennessee. And the more people that are doing that, the better it is for everybody, both programs and the sport. And honestly, what I care about the most is – college baseball as a sport in this conversation because i think it's a great product i think omaha is one of my favorite events i've ever been to and i think more people should be watching it and i've said that for probably 15 years on local airwaves about the vanderbilt baseball program right i think this weekend did obviously a lot for tennessee but i think the series and the rivalry in general will do a lot in the future for baseball in the state of tennessee and in recruiting especially so uh, i'm not sure how up to date you are with i know you're up to date with college football recruiting but college baseball recruiting obviously is a little bit different uh but what do you think this does for a lot of those mid-state guys of course a lot of the east tennessee kids will probably still uh you know correlate their success with tennessee baseball and want to go over to knoxville and play for tony vitello but in the mid-state I mean, two of those pitchers in Tennessee's rotation are from from mid-state schools. Like, those are guys that Tim Corbin yeah, usually yeah. gets, which I think caught Vandy fans off guard. They kind of realized that and said, hey, why, did, why don't we have those guys? So, in terms of recruiting, especially in the mid-state for both of these teams, what do you, what do you think this might do for that? And that's, that's another layer, right? Like, mm-hmm. the direct impact on Vanderbilt's program is, is, is now just now starting to be felt, right? And this is always what I laugh about when people like <laughs> when people chant the SEC thing. And actually, I'm glad I haven't heard that a lot in the last like five or six years. I feel like it's kind of disappeared. We learned our lesson, but like I never understood that like why a Georgia fan would be chanting SEC after Alabama wins the championship because it actually hurts your program if Bama can recruit better players. They want to try some. They want to try to right. find some kind of pride in it. <laughs> and so for right now, for right now, like it hasn't really affected the Vanderbilt baseball program that Tennessee is good. It's starting to. And I don't mean the three-game series. I don't, you know, Tennessee gets to Omaha. That's a big step. They were actually, let's be honest, Tennessee was very good two years ago during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and was going to be a dangerous team in the tournament and did not get a chance to play in the tournament. So we can be very, like, there's a lot of, like, Johnny come lately. Oh, you're just paying attention to it this year. Well, they've been really good for, this is their third year of being pretty good. And when you've got a three-man rotation like they've got and you you hit the ball out of that band box like they do and, I get it. The bats and everything like they're just a really good team. And the fact that they're recruiting some of those guys again, you know, when you have Sonny Gray and David Price, like growing up down the street and you can go get those guys. Baseball is an interesting sport from a recruiting standpoint, because, you know, Corbin wants to go get arms from like the Northeast. He doesn't want to recruit West Coast pitchers. He's I've, he's talked to me about that 15 years now. Like, I don't like guys who throw extra innings and curveballs when they're seven years old out in California. I'm going to go get guys from Massachusetts that play half the year and have a lot lot more, you know, bullets in the cannon, so to speak. And uh, recruiting, because then you got the the draft and then you got half partial scholarships. Like there's so much, it's so complicated, but I think you're right to say, all right, locally in the region, especially Georgia, which is loaded with talent where who's winning those battles. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't think Corbin's going to start. I don't think Corbin's going to lose those battles consistently. But Vitella's going to win a couple of them. And if he keeps winning a couple more and a couple more, all of a sudden we're starting to see this sort of neck and neck rivalry. That doesn't mean that they've accomplished anything <laughs> like what Tim Corbin has. That's not the implication. The implication is right now the teams are pretty, the programs are pretty even, right? Like from a talent perspective, from a success perspective, the last two years, they've been pretty even. I want to say in the series, like 10 and 10 over the last 20 games. I think, or something like I that. think you're right. Yeah. So like, Fandy's the better program, guys. Like, it's not close. You don't need to point and say scoreboard. Like, we all know they're the best program in America. Tennessee might be a better team this year. Yeah. That, yeah. that might just be it. Like, that's sometimes, like, again, this isn't even, I'm not sure I'd say this is one of Corbin's top five teams, but, like, they're still extraordinarily good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So I've been trying to tell a lot of people that, like, this team, I think, can still host a regional. Uh, this this sweep sure. is not the end of the world. Obviously, they, now they got to go on the road and play a really good Auburn team. But and, and obviously after this series, getting swept against Tennessee, Corbin's not going to be happy. Vandy fans aren't going to be happy. Players aren't going to be happy. But I think Corbin still believes that, hey, this is a long season like you talked about. He had a really interesting quote after the game. He said, this game has a way of coming back around to people who treat it well. And we do. <laughs> uh, the game is very easy for that group right now across the street. They're playing very well. The game's difficult for us right now, but it's not always going to be that way. And I think there's all, I think for Vandy fans, they're always waiting on that quote from Corbin to kind of yeah. calm their nerves a little bit after, after a sweep like this. I think that did a little bit, but there's still in the back of my mind, back of Vanderbilt fans minds, I think of, Hey, this, this Tennessee team's really, really damn good. So in terms of the long game and the trajectory of this yeah. season for Tennessee, how much of it do you think they can keep up? Obviously, they're the best team in the country right now. I'd expect them to get back to Omaha and win some games. Uh, but, of course, going 0-2 last season, what, uh, wh where's the feeling there in terms of, okay, can this team win it all, and, and can, they, can they go out and do it? Well, and this is where college baseball is so awesome, in my opinion. This is why I, this is why I fell in love with it you know, back in 05. And back when I was in college, like this is why I love college baseball is that you can be like how many dominant SEC teams that we have seen that are just unbelievably good and then losing a regional, mm -hmm. losing a super regional. Like how many Arkansas teams have not accomplished what they were supposed to accomplish? I mean, it, a lot of Ole Miss teams, too. Yeah, right. Ole Miss might be the best team in the SEC this year. And, and they've just got swept at home by Tennessee. So and again, I don't think Tennessee's the best team in the world. Like they're going to lose some games. I don't think anything that, and this is what makes the tournament so special. This is why Fresno State can win a national championship. This is why Arizona can win a national championship. This is why UCLA can win a national championship. I thought last year's Vanderbilt team, to have those two guys atop the rotation is just, at a school where they've had two guys atop the rotation that have always been like that, right? Like, pick the two guys that you want, you know, whether it's Fulmer and Bueller or and again, I might miss up the, the years here, but like, wasn't minor number two behind price. And then there yep. was, and, and like B gray. And like, there's always like two guys for Vanderbilt yeah. that are just studs. And I would argue none of them have had the star power of rocker lighter. So there's no way you're going to lose those two guys and then come back the next year with the equivalent level of experience and talent and star power, because nobody started on Friday and Saturday night, the last three years. So mm -hmm. like yeah. they're the guys who took the ball every night. So you're going to have to replace that and you have to learn how to find those guys. Who's going to step in and be, you know, that, that, that alpha, right? I think Vanderbilt is absolutely capable of getting to Omaha, winning a regional super regional. Like they're, they're obviously going to get better and talking to some folks at the game on Sunday, like, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong on this. I don't know how many positions are truly up for debate on that Vanderbilt team. Like maybe Carter young, like I, he's mm -hmm. not playing well, but like, I, again, I, I don't know the team as well as maybe you do, but I'm yeah. not going to, I, maybe the closer is different at the end of the year, but like, I don't know what, yeah. what I think actually is going to change. I think there's still a lot up in the air. Like who takes over first base, you know, who, okay. who takes over that DH spot and the closer too. I think that is another question. I, I, there's a lot still to figure out with this, with this Vanderbilt team. Like it, you're not even midway through the season right. and we've seen this before, you know, we've seen this. I think brain, you, you'll probably remember the 2018 team. Uh, that was a young team. They still made it to the Super Regional, and other than that one inning against Mississippi State, they were on the doorstep of Omaha, and then the year after that, they won the national title, of course. So there's always a lot to figure out, especially with Vanderbilt. This team's still young, too, and I think like, a lot of Vanderbilt fans forget that. Like, uh, of the last four teams, take 2020 out of it. Of the last four teams, where would 2019 rank? Oh, it's, at, they, the, it's at the top. 
it's, no, it's, no. It's, I mean, like, wouldn't you say the 2021 team was better than 19? Or do you think 19 was better? I mean, that was. I, I think 19 was better. I think okay. 19 talent wise was better, but the pitching obviously was way better in, in 2021. So I, I only say that, and I, you're probably right. But the the only reason I say that is to 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 raise the point that like I've seen some dominant Vanderbilt baseball teams not win a championship. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen some Vanderbilt teams that were obviously they're all very good go win a championship. And we, we've again, we've seen that, you know, South Carolina with Michael Roth won a couple championships like they weren't the best team in the world the entire season. Like it, it, you can go out and win. And what I do think Tennessee fans and Vanderbilt knows this. And this is one of those things where I think Vanderbilt should be like, all right, boys, you won. You took care of business and you hit a lot of dingers in that tiny park up there in Knoxville but the game is very different in Omaha. And I hope you learned that last year because you have to be great at baseball <laughs> to win in Omaha. And I know that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> you can't just be now they've got pitching that can, that can do the job to, to carry them this year, but you can't just be, you can't just mash your way through mm-hmm. the college world series in Omaha. It's not how the game is played. You've got to, the game slows down. The pitches are tighter. You've got to move runners. You've got to hit the other way. Like you got to do all the stuff that makes, you know, baseball teams, a true team. And that is why a lot of those West coast teams play so well mm-hmm. in Omaha, because they just play a different brand of baseball. Small ball is a bad term for it, but I would call it just like fundamentally sound play by play, pitch by pitch ball. And that's not the way Tennessee played last year. And they thought they were going to go out there and just like, Oh, we'll be fine. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> you don't know how this is going to work when you get out there. And all of a sudden you're standing in front of 30,000 people on national television with a park that you can't get to the warning track out in yeah. like it is, it affects how you hit the ball. It affects how you play. And it clearly affected Tennessee last year. Like they clearly got into that spotlight and didn't handle it well. And so hopefully if you're a Tennessee fan, you've learned from that. And just like every other team that has to learn from that, it's, it's no different. And Corbin is one of the few people. And I've talked to him about this a million times. It's like, when we get out there, we, we have a very regiment, like we know exactly what we're going to do every time because we've been there so many times. We know how to get those kids acclimated, used to the surroundings, and then bring them back to the hotel and let's get refocus on the game plan. And so it's very, it's a tricky thing and it's fun. But hope, like if Tennessee hasn't learned that lesson, then they're not going to win anything. Like mm-hmm. you can be number one in the nation all you want. You can sweep Vanderbilt and you can hit home runs, but like, you're not going to win what you want to win if you don't know how to play the game out there in Omaha. So it's, I think that's, we talk about like, where could this go in the future? That to me is the number one lesson. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see the trajectory of both these teams, not only this season, but the next five, 10 years and saying, okay, is this rivalry still heating up? Because I think it will. Brayden, I could talk uh, college baseball with you all day, (laughs) but I do want to ask you about Vanderbilt football. You were at practice last week. I saw a tweet. You talked about Ken Seals. Uh, What did you notice uh, there about practice and and Clark Lee's way of of going about things and, and kind of some of the improvements you might've noticed uh, from, from practice last week? I think they're, I think they're a little faster, a little more athletic um, in general. I think the lines of scrimmage are still going to be question marks in terms of depth and talent, especially if you've got a couple of young guys starting on the offensive line. Um, I, I think I, I studied the quarterbacks the most, of course. Um, and, and actually the Swan kid looks, looks the part like mm-hmm. in person, when you see him, he looks yeah. the part, you know, Mike Wright just doesn't, which is weird to say. It's not, I don't mean that as an, as like an insult. I just mean like, he just doesn't look like the other two guys do when they're yeah. standing by, behind center. Seals' arm looked good. He he connected on a bunch of deep passes. I'm not gonna. I'm not allowed. I don't think to go into specifics, but he 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 was throwing the ball with excellent touch down the field, and the ball goes where he wants it to go. And sometimes with Mike Wright, it just doesn't. And that's not like new information to Vandy fans, but he was a lot of, as Corbin would say, high and outside <laughs> on a lot mm-hmm. of throws in practice, but it's also just one practice. I'd like to go out there and, and see a few more before I make any big judgments. But, you know, I, I would say all it did was confirm in my head that Ken Seals has the far better arm and is maybe more equipped to play behind a, let's say, let's call it a leaky offensive line to try to get the ball out in space as fast as possible. And I, I still think it's a hell of a battle. Now, Mike Wright took all the snaps with the one, so he's still obviously leading the okay. way. But, but I think... I, I think it's a battle all the way. As long as Ken Seals is healthy in the summertime, I think when they get to fall camp, right, it'll be one. Seals will be QB two. Swan will be QB three. And we'll 
we'll see what happens in practice. Uh, it'll be interesting though. You gotta, you, you gotta figure that part out. Um, and I think going back and forth last year, I know some of it was injury, but like going back and forth, I think it's not going to help anybody. And I think they need to pick their guy. And it's hard not to think seals is the guy. When you watch the two arms throwing right after each other, you're going, man, that, that, that ball was exactly where it's supposed to be. That one's not. There's something to be said for leadership and all the other things that go into it, athleticism. But but it, it was clear who was the better thrower of the football on uh, last week when I saw practice, for sure. Brayden, I'll leave you with this. Uh, I know you know we talked about the, the heat of college baseball right now, and especially in Nashville. But next time you're at 104.5 The Zone, talk a little baseball. Get, get, get a little I baseball. Get, get, a little, get a little college baseball talk in there. Nashville I, deserves I, it. This is the thing. Like This is what's so funny to me about Vandy fans who are like, oh, you're just, a, you're just some like hack journalist, uh, UT graduate. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, guys, I was on the air last year at this time, just begging them to play each other in Omaha. Like, just please, for the love of God, play each other in <laughs> Omaha. I don't care who wins. I don't care. But I want to see our city like erupt in a college baseball frenzy because I think it would be fun. I think it would. Some people want to watch the world burn, Billy. I want to watch <laughs> the world burn. And I, I hope it's because of Vanderbilt and Tennessee baseball playing in a super regional or an Omaha, like, let's do it. it, it I'd love it. I'd love it. Great. It's like I, soccer. It's like soccer. It's a great sport. It's a great game to go to. It's so much fun. And it's still pretty small. Like you can still get in on the ground floor. So. Yeah. Clark Lee talked about it. It felt like an SEC football Saturday heading into that Vanderbilt, Tennessee series. That That's what it creates. Great. And, and Braden, thanks again for taking the time. Uh, I think with your uh, newfound uh, hate with Vanderbilt fans on hmm. Twitter, we'll, we'll yeah. be talking a little bit, a little bit more college baseball. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, I love it. Anytime. At Braden Gall. Give me all your give me all your, your hatred and venom. I love it. I love At Braden Gall. There it is. Thanks, Braden. <laughs>